Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That portion of God's word which we consider this morning, the Holy Spirit caused the evangelist Luke to write for our comfort and learning, and we place a special emphasis on these words of Jesus. Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Let us pray. O God, our maker, redeemer, and comforter, we are assembled in your presence to hear your holy word. We pray you so to open our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that we may be taught to repent of our sins, to believe on Jesus in life and in death, and to grow day by day in grace and holiness. Hear us, Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. The greatest war that is raging right now is not in the Ukraine or any other part of the world. It is not a military battle. It isn't really paid too much attention to by most people. The battle is the battle between the devil and Jesus. And it is a battle between the lie and the truth, between good and evil. One of the sad things about people believing in the neo-pagan myth of evolution is that it distracts them from considering the spiritual reality around them. If our, even our minds develop from some primordial soup, then what are our minds' value? What is the value of anything we say or do? What about good and evil? And we see in the moral relativism, my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth, exactly what the devil wants, which is that people simply believe lies. They don't trust in God. That is always his goal, is to snatch souls away from God. The devil really flexed his muscles when God became a man and lived on this earth. He is always at work in the sons of disobedience, but he was showing his work more flagrantly in the days that Jesus walked on this earth. Satan means accuser or adversary. And as I explained in Bible class this morning, the Greek translation of that is diabolos, where we get diabolical. And then eventually diabolos became devil. And so devil means accuser. The devil's goal is to bind us in our sins, to tempt us to sin, bind us to them, and then accuse us before God. His trick is to say that the power of sin is impossible to overcome and that you must obey it. We see this very often, that I just have these desires and therefore they're right. Who are you to tell me not to obey these desires? And then he teaches us to identify with our sin and say, this is the way we are. This is who we are. And he shows his power and he frightens sinners from hearing and believing the word of God. He hardens hearts like Pharaoh's so that he doesn't repent. He makes people believe that they're more righteous than they actually are. Or he makes them despair of ever finding any help. That is the devil's work, and that's the side of the lie. Why did a demon, <clears throat> one of the devil's servants, make a man not be able to talk? He robbed him of his ability to communicate. He couldn't use his mouth the way God made him to. Why does the devil not want to hear men? Because man was made to praise God. 
God gave you your mouth to speak the truth. He did not give you your mouth to speak lies. God didn't create us to, so that we would do evil. He created us to do good. And when man speaks the words of God, then the devil has to flee. We see this in the temptation of the garden, uh, or in, in the wilderness. Jesus constantly and consistently defeats the devil, not by just simply waving his arm, but by speaking the scripture, the word of God. And you see that the devil wins when he distracts us from the word of God, as in the garden. Did God really say? He takes you away from the word of God. And we also see the power of God's word against the devil all over the scriptures, but we see it portrayed in a beautiful way in 1 Samuel. If you remember, that is Israel's first king. And he had disobeyed God, and the Holy Spirit left him, and instead there was an unclean spirit who vexed him. He got into foul moods. He'd get angry very easily and act crazy and murderous. And so his servants sent for David to play the harp for Saul, to play beautiful music. And in the beginning, whenever David played the harp, the unclean spirit would leave Saul, and he became, and he would become normal as before. Luther loves this passage, by the way, and this is what leads, leads him to say, uh, after the word of God, music deserves the highest praise, because music has the power to change the emotions of men. But one day, even music was not enough, and Saul threw a spear at David, thinking to pin him to the wall and kill him. But David escaped and ran to Samuel, the prophet, in Ramah. And so Saul sent messengers to Samuel to get David to kill him. But Samuel and a company of prophets were prophesying. Now prophesying has a broad meaning. We think of it only in terms of foretelling the future, but it means preaching and singing praises to God as much as telling what's going to happen. So a prophet is a preacher. And when the messengers who had come to take David saw them prophesying, preaching, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. And Saul sent more messengers, and they prophesied. And a third group, and they also prophesied, and nobody returned back to Saul. And so Saul himself says, what's going on? And he gets up and he goes to Ramah, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied all that day and night in front of Samuel. The Word of God is more powerful than any evil spirit. Saul wanted to kill David because the devil suggested it to his heart, just like Judas was filled with Satan. Uh, his heart was filled with Satan to betray Jesus. But the word of God has the power to drive the devil out. This means that the word of God has the power to drive unbelief out. Why do we obey the devil? We obey the devil by means of unbelief. We don't trust in God. We don't trust his word. And so we trust in the devil. He says, you're not going to die. It's not going to hurt you. You're like God. Only solution to this is the word of God. The Pharisees said that he cast out demons by the ruler of demons, Beelzebub, which means the Lord of the flies. Jesus points out the absurdity of this. A kingdom divided against itself can't stand. A house divided against itself falls. If Satan is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Now, there are many different lies but all lies serve the purpose of distorting and silencing the truth of God's word. The devil's kingdom is united in this purpose, to destroy the kingdom of God, to pervert the word of God. The devil doesn't cast out devils. Only God's word can do that. And some of the Jews' own children were casting out demons using God's word and even using Jesus' name. 
And so Jesus says, so how are they casting out demons? Are they on the devil's side too? This is how the world works. They always blame what is good. They call good evil and evil good. Jesus says, but if I cast out demons by the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now in Matthew, Jesus says these same words, but instead of finger of God, he says the spirit of God. Jesus' words cast out demons. His spirit, his breath, which is the third person of the Holy Trinity, utters the words of God. God's kingdom comes, as we confess in our small catechism, when our Heavenly Father gives us his Holy Spirit, so that by his word, if by his grace, we believe his holy word and lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity. We enter into the kingdom of God by being born again by water and the spirit, by the washing of water with the word. It is always the word of God that drives the devil out. Jesus rules his kingdom with words, not with tanks. He doesn't force people. His kingdom extends into Saudi Arabia where it is illegal to have a Bible or to preach the gospel. His kingdom extends into communist China where Christians are forced to put pictures of Xi. I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know. He's some relative of Tim's, isn't he? No, I'm sorry, Tim. <clears throat> but you, you have to put a picture. It's like putting a picture of Hitler or, or Stalin in a church, right? And it restricts what they're able to say. God's word is attacked here, and yet still Christ's kingdom is there because you can't stop his word. It is the most powerful thing that there is. His kingdom threatens everyone. It threatens them with a power they don't understand. This is why Herod wanted to kill Jesus. This is why communists persecute Christians. Jesus casts out evil and demons with his words. No wonder the devil wants to keep men from speaking. Look at the power of the word of God. The world mocks God's word and attacks it as a weak, powerless, outdated, and silly thing. But the devil fears God's word. He is always attacking the truth of Jesus' words. And this is why the world accuses Jesus, who is doing good, of doing good for evil's sake. The Christians are the real devils, as they say. And it's so interesting, if you look at, at the West, and, 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 the, and the leftist or liberal West, intellectually speaking, they never attack Islam. <clears throat> they never attack Buddhism. They never attack Hinduism. They never attack any of these other religions, which claim to have something of the same morality. They always attack the Christians. They always attack the church. And they accuse them of doing evil even after they have done good. I'm going to restrain myself from going on too long of a tangent. One, the Crusades were a just war. Okay? It was a just war. They went in, these Muslims, and they kidnapped Christians. They put them to death. They conquered this land. And they were robbing and stealing from the Christians. And they did this, the Western European Christians came in at the behest and at the request of the Christians in Byzantium, asked for help. Now, the fact that they later sacked Constantinople, that was bad. And there was, it was a very bloody battle in Jerusalem. It was very bloody, but that's the way things were in those days. Battles were very bloody. Another thing too, what about the Inquisition? We didn't do the Inquisition. The Papists did the Inquisition. So we have... What about colonialism? I'm sure evil was done in colonialism. The church was brought, the word of God was brought through the entire world. Look at the infrastructure that was created for poor people all throughout the world, just for them, not just for business interests, just for them. 
because they were Christians and they did this. But when they tell you that Christians have spread so much evil, it is a lie. It is a lie. Why is it a lie? Because they don't want Christ's good to be seen. And this is the battle. This is straightly, this is straight to the heart of the matter, is that they don't want you to speak the word of God. They don't want you to confess it. They want you to be ashamed of it. Just like the devil made that guy not speak. That's why he does it. He makes you mute. And so people revile Christ and they revile as Christians. The entire goal is to make people ignore the word. Why should I listen to these hypocrites who have done so much evil? And that's how the strong man binds you. When you don't hear Jesus' word. He bound Adam with false doctrine. Did God really say? He attacked God's word and led Adam away from it. And so he does with you. He teaches you to ignore the Ten Commandments as if you could continue in fornication and greed and coveting other people's things and still be in the kingdom of God where God's word rules. He tells you, you will not surely die. You're free. You're free to use your body as you please. You are free to desire something that God does not give you and to scheme to get it. You are free to worship anything that you, your own heart desires. But that is, that is entirely how he binds you. By taking you away from the prophesying of Samuel and the prophets and leading you back to Saul's house where you can obey your sinful passions to your heart's content. And this is why we must repent. Not repenting means not listening to God's word. It means acting as if we are strong enough to be our own or on our own to be respectable Christians. It means acting as if the battle between the truth and the lie, between good and evil, is not raging in our own hearts, in our own bodies. As if God's wrath does not come upon the sons of disobedience. As if God shows favoritism. The word of God tells us when we sin. And the devil tries to make us mute so that we don't confess our sins. We say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That's the devil deceiving us, taking the truth away. The devil does not want your lips to speak the truth. He acts as if you will be destroyed if you admit that you are a sinner. Because the devil wants you to stay in your sin, harden your heart, and make you worse than you were before. So when we hear the word of God and keep it, even when it tells us what bad people we are, then we say amen to the law's accusation. When God tells us our situation, we acknowledge that what he says is true. It's not what the world says, that we can just happily prance on, on our own way and not face the consequences. It's like in, in Handel's Hallelujah Chorus, where it, it cites uh, Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The music is ridiculous. It's, and we like sheep have gone astray. This is happy, happily, happily hopping away to our death. That is how the devil wants us. And that's how the world makes it seem when we reject God's word. Look at the freedom you have. God's word constrains you. It confines you. It's slavery. The sin is freedom. That's how the devil always works. And he gets you to believe it by ignoring God's word. We hear the word of God and keep it even when it hurts. And we speak the word of God even when it hurts us. When it tells us that we are sinners, that we are not strong. That in this battle between truth and the lie, we cannot contribute anything 
unless we first are saved. Because it is for sinners that Christ came. It is to loose the tongue of the dumb and mute who can't speak. It is to overcome all those who would destroy David with the voice of prophecy, the words of truth and eternal life. Look at your life. Are you afraid of confessing to God what is in your heart? What nobody sees, but God has seen it. Who doesn't want you to speak the truth? Who doesn't want you to admit your need? Only the devil. Who wants you to speak the truth? Only Jesus. The devil wants you to think that because you have once been made clean, that you don't need God's word anymore. But Jesus says that such people who get their lives all in order and their house swept and decorated, but they don't keep the word of God, then the unclean spirit goes and brings seven more demons each more evil than the last, and the last state of that person is worse than before. When we think we can be clean without God's word, when we think that we are strong, then we see that the strong man flexes his muscles, and the next thing you know, we are practically mute, not confessing our sin, but denying it, hiding it, ignoring God's word. And what truth is left in a heart that denies the truth? Where can the truth come from when we don't have it in us? People say they are not against Jesus because they just don't care about him. But anyone who is not with him scatters, joins the great multitude of those who are ruled not by the truth but by the lies of their own heart. Anyone who is not with him is against him because he is against the lie. And you cannot be against, and you cannot act as if you are against, you are not against the truth when you are holding on to the lie. But Jesus comforts us poor sinners who have often neglected his word and the power of its truth by telling us of the stronger man. There's a strong man and he has his goods and he trusts in his armor and he's safe and he's at peace. But there is a stronger man. He looked weak, but all of the power of God is in him. He is humbled, but hidden in his suffering and the insults and spit he endures is the power of God to rescue you from the sins that have bound you. He is mocked and despised, and we did not esteem him, but he loved us and gave himself for us. The devil trusts in his armor, that is, his lies. Jesus comes and takes away the devil's power, the devil's armor. The devil's power is to make you mute, make you unable to speak the truth. Jesus speaks the truth. He fulfills God's word. He accomplishes all of God's promises. He is the woman's seed who crushes the devil's head as he promised in the Garden of Eden. All that he says is confirmed by all that he does. The power of sin in your life is the devil's power. And Jesus takes away that power and he alone, he is the stronger man. He speaks the words that tell you of the man who is stronger than the devil because his strength carried all the sins of which the devil accuses you. There is nothing stronger than sin in man, in us. It makes man do evil. It leads him away from God and into death in the devil's grasp. It makes life seem futile and to no purpose. But Jesus defeated sin. All that sin is and destroys was placed in his body. All of sin's punishment was laid on him who suffered in your place. And the, truth of, of, and the truth of this is in your baptism that cast the devil out by clothing you in the righteous obedience of this man. All of the truth of this that defeats the lie is yours when you are buried with Christ through baptism into death. When that old lying Adam dies and a new Adam arises who confesses the truth 
speaks the truth, and overcomes all things with the truth. All of Christ's victory over death is yours when you are raised in baptism by faith in the words then the, that by faith that Jesus' words create. All of Jesus is yours to cling to and overcome the devil with when you hear the word of God and keep it. There are so many distractions. If there's one benefit to fasting, it's that you're thinking about how you want to eat, and so you're distracted from other evil thoughts because you're just thinking about food, and it's great. But there's another benefit to it, and even if you don't fast, I pray that you would take the time to do this, especially during Lent, but at all times, is that you have devotions, that when you wake up in the morning, you read the word of God, and you pray upon it, and you take this power that your flesh doesn't think is so strong, and the world thinks isn't as important as anything else you have to do today, and you take this word of God, and Jesus with it will drive the devil out of your heart. He will drive him out. That is the only way that he is driven out, is with his word. Think about what Jesus says. Nay, rather blessed are they that which do hear the word of God and keep it. No one was more blessed than Mary, it seems. Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast of which you nursed, she said. His, her womb bore God, and her breast nursed, nursed this man who spoke the truth. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart, and that is what made her truly blessed. She pondered the word of God. Jesus' mother and brothers and sisters are those who do the will of the Father in heaven, and it is God's will that you hear Jesus' words and keep them. That is how he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and your flesh, is through the word of God. So blessed are you when you have the power of God that changes your heart from serving sin to trusting in Christ who saves you from sin. Blessed are you when you have the authority of God's word to speak when the devil tells you to shut up, but I believe and therefore I speak. I keep God's word in my heart and on my lips because I am not bound by Satan and sin. I am remaining in Jesus' words and I am truly his student and I know the truth and the truth sets me free from my guilt, from my worry, from my remorse and replaces the lie that sin must bind me with the truth that I belong only to Jesus who is stronger than my sin, stronger than any devil, stronger than death and so his strength is mine especially in my weakness. His truth is the power to save me. His power is mine when I listen to the word of God and keep it, guard it, apply it to my life, speak it, sing it, pray it, confess it, because this word is no opinion of mortal man. This word is the gospel of the free forgiveness of sins in Christ's blood was poured out from the Father's own heart, this word was. This word is the finger of God that casts out demons and makes me confess my sin and then confess that Christ has removed it from me as far as the east is from the west. This word is the comfort of the Holy Spirit who testifies to my heart at this supper where I receive Christ's body that felt all of the devil's vengeance and I drink Christ's blood which washes me clean from all my sin. This word is the comfort of the Holy Spirit who testifies in this supper that I am not a child of the devil, but a child of God, who enters the kingdom of heaven, clinging to every word that comes from the mouth of my Savior and Lord Jesus.